It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And just after 5 o'clock, it is time for Not My Beat. Today's top story, from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not My Beat. It's not a Monday, but it is our first show of the week, which means we welcome in our good friend Michael Phillips. Michael, Happy New Year. Hey, we did it. We made it. 2024, uh, we made it to the end of the season. Uh, we pat ourselves on the back. We did it, man. We did, um, although I will say um, our show has included a call for Jake Fromm today. So can I would like to go back. Well, uh, you may not like this segment then, right? I mean, like, I, I'm i going to go hard that, that it's important to lose and it's important to get this draft pick and uh, – I mean, there there would be few better ways to do that than let's see some Jake Fromm. That's at least like a cogent way of going about it. It is admitting that Jake <laughs> Fromm is the worst quarterback option in terms of winning. No, Michael, we had a call saying we should play the commander should play Jake Fromm to find out in case he's the next Kurt Warner or Tom Brady. Oh no! Oh no! 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 Oh, I I feel bad for even moderately associating with that take. Uh oh. So, so can we go back to 2023 or what? What's the, what's the deal here? Um, well, catch, catch you next year. This one, this one, this one's already. Yeah, there, it's yeah. just feel like the was the the meme with the Simpsons character where the dude walks in, put his hat on, puts it right back out, and leaves. That's that's what I felt like in that, that first hour of the show and that fielding Oof. that phone call. Um, all right. In all seriousness, though, like, how definitive are you ready to be on? I mean, you. I feel like you've kind of been there uh, the last couple of weeks, but. Like, what did Sam Howell show you on Sunday, and what is that? What effect does that have on the franchise? I, I think Sam Howell will be on this roster next year. I don't. I just don't think there's a ton of trade value there that you could mine, and you're not going to cut him. He's a young quarterback who has shown talent, and this is not a Sam Howell comment, Craig. This is a roster comment. There are a lot of players on this team that we just don't know if they're any good or not. Um, and that is because they have not been coached well this year. They have not been schemed well this year. Uh, I think that speaks for itself. I don't think I have to back up that assertion, right? But, you know, if you're talking about, you know, Sam Howell, look, he, he has not earned the right to be QB1 next year going into the year. I think even he would tell you that after the way the season has gone. But I think it would be an equally big mistake to say, well, this kid has proven he can never play in the NFL or something outrageous like that. We don't know that. We, we, you know, we, we need to see what he can do with, uh, with, with a competent offensive line, a year of growth. Um, you know, there, there, it's not hard to look back and find examples. Kirk Cousins is certainly one. Guys who did not look like NFL quarterbacks in their first calendar year of playing then ended up looking like NFL quarterbacks. That could be him. Uh, the, the irresponsible thing to do would be to say that might be him. So let's continue to build a franchise around him. Now, no, you got to keep looking elsewhere. Uh, but I have no objections to keeping him around. Yeah, I think that's really well put. And like the guy that Logan and I have been using on on our pod is Jalen Hurts. Um, was not particularly impressive. They won anyway because everything around him was so good in Philadelphia. But like that allowed Jalen to grow into the guy that he is. That golf in Detroit, uh, very similarly, like they've they've done a good job of creating an environment that's allowed him to almost like get the benefits of sitting a year, like Mahomes did. Uh, without actually sitting. We're like, you're out there, you're getting information, but you're not getting so much that you overload and overheat in the way that Sam did this year because they were throwing the ball 50 times a game. Um, 
that kind of begs the question then, and this is a question I probably will ask you uh, multiple times and we'll have full on discussions about it philosophically over the next four months. But like, then what's the bar for the next guy? Like if Sam Howell is some talented, but not quite good enough quarterback uh, who you anticipate having around as a backup, you need to draft a guy who's obviously better than that. So what happens if you look at Jaden Daniels and Drake may and, and whoever else, and you go like, I don't know if any of those guys are any better. Like, how do you how do you approach this quarterback position, or are you in kind of the? They might not be, but we better find out and take a flyer camp. Yeah, right. And and so you talk about you're not going to be in this position probably again for the next five years, right? Unless there's some kind of trade, you know, Bears situation where you end up back here through some good luck. Um, I, I don't think I'm overly optimistic or anything. I just don't think they'll be in this position again for a while. You know, it's statistically speaking. It's hard to be this bad, and certainly a new coaching staff, new energy is going to provide some amount of lift. This isn't Carolina. They're not in a doom spin cycle here. Uh, you know, even if they have a bad year next year, it's far more likely a bad year looks like seven than it looks like four. Um, so you, you need to be very careful about what you do here, knowing you may not be in this position again. Uh, for a while or for your entire tenure if you're the next coach, right? And Kyle Shanahan has talked about that before, and kind of that, that was the, the impetus of the Trey Lance swing, right? Like, this is my chance to get a, a highly regarded quarterback. I need to take advantage of having that opportunity, regardless of whether it pans out or not. I, I don't know that I fully agree with that, but it's certainly a legitimate school of thought here. Um, I, there's two ways to go here, right? You try to find an elite quarterback and then everything else takes care of itself. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously. They stink at several major offensive skill positions, and yet Patrick Mahomes covers it up very nicely. Joe Burrow covered over Cincinnati's flaws for a long time because he's that dude, right? So you, that's the cheat code. You get that and you're good to go. There's, there's another way to do it, which is you, you build a great roster, you plug in a guy, you let him develop, let him learn, let him grow. That option's available to you as well. You could trade down. You could take a, you could take a left tackle. You could take Marvin Harrison Jr. There's there's lots of foundational pieces you can get out of this pick and out of a, a top five situation. Uh, the salary cap space is there. You can go about. It. You you would view that as the hard way, so to speak, because it, it doesn't involve the shortcut. But if you do it right, that's probably also the more consistent way. If you bring in a good general manager, a good coach, you give them good pieces to build with you're probably more likely to have long-term success that way than rolling the dice. But when you roll the dice, you might just go ahead and skip to the final space on the board, and that's pretty cool too. Right. You pass go and you collect $200, which is yeah. which is nice. Uh, Michael Phillips, 910, the fan down in Richmond, uh, writing for the Washington Times as well. Of course, covering the commanders with us weekly here on the Hoffman Show. Um, there's starting to be a lot of names that are bantied about. Standing did a whole article on it. I know Kimes mentioned a bunch. Nikki wrote something for the Post um, with a list of like head coaching candidates. As you've made your way through your list and you've started to compile uh, a favorites list, are there any either on the executive or the coaching side that have jumped out to you is either particularly interesting or like definitive favorites i mean I, obviously with adam peters in the building it was hard not to think about it this weekend right like that not to say he's he's the favorite or anything i, I think san francisco will do what they need to do to keep him around but uh, you know, I, I actually went over the 49ers locker room side they've got a player uh from richmond uh, cleveland farrell uh who's one of their pass rushers and we were chatting for a while and just just 
so impressed by how that organization works top to bottom. Uh, so, you know, you couldn't you couldn't go wrong there. I, I don't think he'll be available, but I, I think he'd be a slam dunk, of course. For whatever it's uh, worth, I, I agree with you. I think they'll wind up. I mean, they actually already did the first step, which is they promoted yeah. John Lynch to team president. They'll just yep. name Peters the GM and. Um, Lynch is a bit of a figurehead uh, in some ways anyway. Um, so Peters, I think, I think don't get your Adam Peters hopes up. is what I would tell anybody, not just in Washington, but anybody anywhere. I think that's, uh, that's very correct and very astute. Uh, I agree with that as well. Uh, I, I would say I'm less interested in names and more interested in structure um, simply because there's not one definitive way to play this. Right. I mean, uh, you know, we probably think we probably think I, there's a phrase for you. Um, you know, we, what we know of Josh Harris and the way he runs teams is he's probably going to empower a general manager and be big on the personnel side and the analytics side. That doesn't mean he's necessarily guaranteed to do that though. Right. I mean, if you can get a Harbaugh, the structure looks differently than if you can't get a Harbaugh. Right. And, and if you, if you decide that's the way to go, um, there are different ways to do the GM structures with, VPs of player personnel with team presidents who were involved. You know, you mentioned John Lynch, a guy who's kind of involved, but not entirely involved in that side of the building, but had the title for a while. Um, I find the, the structure discussion to be almost as fascinating as the names themselves, because it speaks to how ownership views this, but also how they see the best candidates available and how they fit into these different jobs. Definitely. So there's a name that's been bantied about a lot, uh, Don Apon, which is a name I heard a couple yep. weeks ago. And it, Nikki Javala, I think, had the most detailed reporting on a potential role for her, um, which would be like an executive vice president of football operations. What do you think of her specifically? And it's really like, I mean, her skill set, I don't know how, how familiar you are with Don Apon, if you have a good file on her, by all means, unloaded on our audience. <laughs> but like she comes from the like she's worked for teams before, but she's currently like one of the top lieutenants to Roger Goodell at the NFL league's office uh, or the NFL league office and for an ownership group that is coming from outside the league. Like I think that's pretty intriguing. And, and so what, what would you make of that structure and of her specifically as kind of someone who knows the, the, her way around the NFL? Yeah. And, and you know, you, you, you nailed it, right. That league knowledge is very impressive here. And uh, for a group that uh, certainly uh, has aspirations of being thought of as, the Steelers, the 49ers, the Ravens, kind of one of those foundational teams, uh, the, the chance to, to, you know, put, put a cornerstone in there. Uh, she obviously knows who's who around the league as well. Um, so you're not just picking her, you're, you're kind of grabbing a big staff as well around her, which, it, which is very appealing, obviously. Um, your downsides, right? She's been with the league now for almost seven years, I believe, uh, you know, has, has been out of the game in that day-to-day sense for a little while. I don't think that's a reason she couldn't do the job. I just think that's something that needs to be put on the table here, right? The league has changed immensely in the last seven years. She's followed that, obviously, being, being right. with the league, but but not in that day-to-day with the team. Um, doesn't have any of those, like, was in a slam-dunk situation, right, where you talk about, like, young guys in Philly, young guys in Baltimore, like, they've seen it done at the highest level. Um, was with Belichick. For, for a minute and a half there. Um, I, I think that's intriguing. I don't think Bill Belichick's going to be the coach here, uh, but that, that's not the way I see it shaking out. But certainly having a Rolodex like that uh, is very impressive. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, I think, I mean, what she would do, I would presume, is like she goes and hires a GM and 
um, yeah. and then oversees like the integration of systems, which is a very Josh Harrisy type of terminology <laughs> of like, okay, we have this analytics department, we have player performance, you know, like the strength and conditioning, we have scouting, like my job is to make that all work together uh, and make sure that everyone's got taking the resources available to them and maximizing, which is the way good organizations are run. Middle management is actually important, Michael. It's often very annoying, but, but I think the best companies have it. And like that would, I mean, she'd be on the higher end of middle management, but um, that would, that would kind of be her job. You know, as we talk about structure, right, that's a structure where, where, you know, right now, Ron is in charge of the personnel side of the building. This would be a personnel person in charge of the personnel side of the building and, and probably having a little more say than the coach in terms of the way the building is run and, and the way players are brought in. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think some of the most successful NFL franchises uh, have been run that way over the past, uh, you know, over the past decade to two decades. So uh, I think there's a ton of merit to really beefing up on that side of the football um, the coach-centric model behind Ron Rivera was always a bit of a Hail Mary, and uh, I think we've seen where that's led us. Yeah, who, I'm trying to think back to that opening press conference. Who did Dan cite? It was Bel- Belichick. Was it Tomlin? That, like, who, else, who else was he like, this is why we need to go coach-centric? Did he name Andy Reid, even though that's not true? Right. I was feel it? like, yes, that was the other name, but like Tomlin, same thing. Like Tomlin's incredible. Tomlin's in charge of a lot of stuff. Tomlin has a heavy influence and he should because he's now clinched, uh, 16 straight eight win seasons, which is nuts. Um, yep. but he's not in charge. Like they have a GM. <laughs> right. So, I mean, like, I, I think the best coaches understand we're going to have a GM because that's good for me, even if they have that kind of authority, right? It's, it's, it's good to defer it. Um, it just felt like from the get-go, this was like Ron's here and he's going to have final say because that's good for a coach to be all-powerful. Like it, it feels like the most powerful coaches know they can't extend themselves that then. Right. And, well, and then the other thing too is like what – if you're hiring people where the power structure is important, you're hiring the wrong people. Right. Mm. If you want to hire, yeah, that's, that was a bar. Write that down in the Washington Times. Mm. Um, if you want to, if you want to have a really good front office coaching staff, football operation, a- operation of any kind, you want to hire people that work together where the, the power structure is important for dictating roles and everybody does their job and then everybody feels like they've got their part of the thing. And that is how you build a successful organization. If it is, Hey, if we get in a fight, who gets to win, you've already lost. What, what was the uh, Bruce Allen phrase? It's a Redskins decision. Uh, <laughs> every time it's, no, no, it doesn't matter who's the final say. It's a Redskins decision, which was a very polite le- way of saying it's my decision. Right. Well, that was the problem is, is that meant it was Bruce's decision <laughs> and he just didn't want to say it. But like when they make a decision in San Francisco, I tend to think it actually is a 49ers decision. Uh, right. Yeah. So the best the best organizations, you know, there's enough credit to go around and, and the rest of it takes care of itself. And I, I think that I think they have the potential to build that here. I also think it's fascinating to build this group um, and then throw them into what will be the most important offseason of the decade. This one with the salary cap space, with the draft picks and all that right out of the gate. Right. So there, there's no ramp up period. They are coming in 
to, to crush it right away, their first spring, their first free agency, their first draft. Um, that, to me, really raises the stakes here. I'd, I'd feel more comfortable if, if you know, and, and I know this wasn't going to be possible, but if Harris had somehow been able to buy the team last March and stall everybody right. then, and they would have had a year together in the building going into this very important offseason, um, I'm not – I'm not saying it's not going to work because I'm a generally optimistic person. I'm just saying like, Ooh, that is a lot to jump into. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to know, like you don't typically come in even as a new general manager and like fire the scouts because you, they've been working all year. And if you yep. do, then you got to go find other ones and like the other teams are not going to let go of their good scouts in the middle of the most important time of the year. So you're kind of like, obviously if you're a general manager, especially one with a scouting background, you've been doing some of your own evaluations. You'll watch plenty of tape. You'll grind it out yourself and you'll have strong opinions. And like the best evaluators, Adam Peters has had a very good track record of being able to suss out who's good and who's not and, and hitting on Fred Warner and Hufunga and uh, name all of these just ridiculously good football players that uh, they employ out there in San Francisco. But like whoever comes in is going to be, looking at the same scouts who have drafted the last Ron Rivera era of players. But I think it's also important to point out, and Michael, you can probably detail this as someone who's been on the beat even longer than I was like that. The scouting isn't always the problem when you take players that you shouldn't, or you overdraft someone because you essentially give them a report. You're like, Hey, this is who this guy is. This is strengths or weaknesses. <laughs> Excuse me. And then the uh, decision maker makes the, final call with that information and uh, that final decision maker is pretty important even if the scouts don't change yeah right and so when you're talking about a first year operation who's who gets the final say is super important because everybody's still feeling out the situation right it's it's a little harder to be collaborative when you're also building the seeds of that relationship and what that relationship's going to become and and you know what it will be down the line so that's a hugely important call especially given the draft pick they're going to be sitting on. I mean, I, I don't envy that. I really don't. Like, it's an attractive job. Uh, it's a super cool job for somebody to come into. It's also a ton of pressure to hit right away. Um, and to steer this back to Ron a little bit, like, I remember when he drafted Jamin Davis, um, I, I'm sure I said on your show, I've, I've said it many places, I, I think this will work out because I trust Ron to evaluate linebackers. Like, that's his career is – being a linebacker and being around great linebackers. So if he says this guy's worth the 18th pick overall or whatever it was, I'm on board with that. I, I believe he is. Um, I, I would just like to come clean. I was wrong. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was a bad evaluation. Um, so sometimes you can drink your own uh, Kool-Aid a little bit too. No, that's, that's 100% true. And, you know, then again, if Ron had been coaching the linebackers for four years, how different does Jamin's career look compared to Jack coaching them where linebackers looked confused till the moment he was gone? Like, Couldn't have been worse. Yeah, um, so there's, there's a lot to it there. And it shows the evaluation meeting, the coaching meeting, the other players around, like do you have supplementary skill sets, all that kind of stuff. And you're right, it's, it's a really tough job, not just because of the pressure, but because – uh, to, to echo something you said earlier in the interview, like we don't know who's good on this team. And that is a real problem in terms of evaluation moving forward. But then again, 
We might not. The scouts might, uh, and that's why they're <laughs> scouts and we're radio guys. Uh, Michael Phillips, host, MP on the mic, 10 a.m. to noon. Weekdays on 910 The Fan in Richmond, which you can listen to anytime, anywhere on the free Odyssey app. You can also read them in the Washington Times. Uh, Michael, thank you as always. We'll do this again uh, next week as long as we're not in the middle of the, uh, the darkest part of Black Monday. One more time, baby. Let's go. And, and if we are, then we'll talk on Tuesday. Okay, that's fine. All right. Uh, Michael <laughs> Phillips, later, everybody. Craig. Thank you. See you. Happy New Year. All right. That is Michael Phillips with us on the Hoffman Show. When we get back, how did one Anthony Haney close out 2023 with his NFL picks? How did, how did I do mine? I actually don't know that I did great. Um, so, Craig. Yeah? I got every game correct. Did you? No. I didn't think so. How many did he get correct? Possibly. We'll tell you next. We'll go around the NFL. Wild, wild weekend. Plenty to talk about beyond uh, if Anthony and I pick the right side. Next, it's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. You can join us live on YouTube daily as well at the Team 980. Subscribe there. My, my hope, Anthony, is that by the time we get to the Super Bowl, we can be at 1,000 subscribers on the Team 980 YouTube channel. We'll have been doing that for like seven, eight months at that point. It was really the summer that we launched it. Um, and, then, and then we can show off on Super Bowl week and be like, hey, look at us. Broadcasting live from Radio Row on Wednesday through Friday of Super Week. That would be cool. How many more do we need? Uh, we're under 200 away. Okay. So we're gonna need we're gonna need to have a good month. Oh. But I think it's doable. So let's do it. Uh if you are watching on YouTube and you got other friends who enjoy stuff on YouTube, like tell your friends. Be like, hey, nine eighty, good stuff. Hoffman show, live daily. Eventually, I do think within this calendar year, other shows as well. So, you know, just something to consider, something to throw out there. A goal, a New Year's resolution, if you will. Feels uh, feels good. By the way, how was your uh, how was your New Year's? I know you were at church, and then you looked like you had a wedding on on New Year's Day. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, New Year's Eve, I went to uh, Dirty Habit. Uh, okay. Had dinner, which sounds there. like the opposite of church. What? Well, yeah, sort of. Dirt, dirty Habit. <laughs> yeah, it's right over there by Capital One Arena. Okay. Not too far from Buttery. Uh, but yeah, we went there for dinner. Uh, brought in the New Year in the church. Uh, and then, yeah, yesterday, my girlfriend's mom got married. Congratulations and, uh, to the newlyweds. Yeah, so that's what I was doing this morning. I was cleaning up, like, because we, we had a little after party, or like an after gathering, I guess, at yeah. uh, the crib. So uh, focused, that, focused on that this morning and then uh, came into work. You know? Came into the office, and now yeah. we're working. Good start uh, to the new year. Yeah, Love is in the air. Love is in the air. What a start to 2024. The opposite of Jake Fromm calls. Okay, sorry. Now I feel like I'm beating up on Jake Fromm. I'm really not. I'm beating up on on. Anyway, let's stop beating up on people. Let's go around the NFL week 17 style. Uh, we went into the weekend with 24 teams still alive for the playoffs. Thursday night, one clinch. That was the Browns, of course, over the Jets. Talked about that game a little bit on Friday. We both got that right. We both picked Cleveland Saturday. Oh, oh, Cowboys Lions. By now, you know what happened. Cowboys get lucky. Um, 
the referees screw up a call at the end on a two-point conversion by the Lions that should have been that should have counted, and um, there's not a lot to do about it. It just it's so sad, man, because the Lions did almost everything you could possibly ask. The one thing you could have asked is for more clarity. Uh, because they did try to confuse the Cowboys and instead cl- confuse the refs. And I think the other thing that you could ask is Brad Allen, the referee who has had a terrible month of December and culminating with this call, is he calls out the wrong guy on the like on the headset. He's like, number 70 is eligible, 70 is eligible, and 70 wasn't eligible. It was 68. And so at that point, if you're the Lions – do you go back to him and be like, no, 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 68, and then it draws attention to it and your play's screwed, or do you just hope that they figure it out? Um, and, you know, honestly, it's like one of those things that you wish they just go back and change it, like review it and, and count it, but you can't do that even, one, because there's not a mechanism to do that, and two, because once you go, 70 is eligible instead of 68. Like, the Cowboys are playing that as if 68 is ineligible. And... It's just bad refereeing. Like, there's no other way around it. And I think there's got to be a way to have repercussions for referees who don't perform well. And I'm not saying they should be fined. Because, like, players play badly, and they don't get fined for it. And these are human beings who make mistakes. But nobody, like, their mistakes are not part of the game. Their job is to implement the rules as if they were robots. Just implement the rules. Stay out of the way otherwise. Do the things you're supposed to do. And so, again, I don't know that it's fining referees, but, like, if you can't do the job, you need to be demoted. And whether that is you're no longer a head referee and you go to being, like, a back judge or you um, you lose your NFL job, like, there's got to be a way to do better than this. And Brad Allen has had a terrible year. Um, he's not very good at the job by NFL standards. And I think the funniest thing going on on the Internet right now is Adam Schefter will not lay off the guy. And I think that's bizarre because Adam Schefter never does stuff like that. And Adam's doing it in a reporter way where he's like, he also missed this call. ESPN reviewed video that he missed this call. Uh, Brad Allen, the referee who screwed up last week, uh, is on national television. Again. Like He is dragging this dude. And I don't know whether it, that is him doing it because the NFL is like pissed or he's doing it because this is an area where he feels strongly and he feels like he can needle the NFL when so often – it feels like he winds up being a vehicle for a lot of NFL messaging. So I don't know, man. It's it's uh, it's not great, and it really sucks for the Lions. Like on top of on top of losing the game now because the Eagles lost, which we'll get to. Anthony, if the Lions had won this game, which they did, um, if if it accounted in the win column for them, they're the number two seed if they win. Instead. The Cowboys will be the two seed if they beat the Commanders on Sunday, no matter what the Lions do. And and that means if there is a game between those two teams, the two and three seed, very possible, if not likely, that it will be in Dallas instead of Detroit. So Lions fans get robbed a home game, or an extra home game. Uh, of course, they're going to have to win their, their opener, which will be at home because they are a division champion. But I think the good news for Detroit, if I'm Dan Campbell, I'm like, you know what? F it, boys. Like, we just proved we can beat Dallas. If the official calls the right thing, we would have won that game in Dallas. Nobody's beaten him there all year. We're going to go do it. We're going to ruin their season. Fine. We'll see him in a couple weeks. 
but I hate this. I hate it so much. Yeah, I hated that for the Lions as well. Um, I think to your point, you know, about having home field advantage, I think it goes a long way. Uh, you look at some of the the games between the the Chiefs and the uh, the Bengals, or you look at the Bills and the the Chiefs, like things of that nature. Home field matters in those circumstances, and the fact Dallas has played so well at home and not so well on the road, I think, can definitely have uh, some impl- implications. You know, come uh, playoff time, but. It did suck to see the Lions lose. They were right there. I think it was a great play call. And, you know, the refs the, the refs got it wrong on that play, but at the same token, you can't leave it in the games of the ref. You can't leave the, the game in their hands. Yeah, that sucks, is the though. other thing. It, like, it does suck, though, that it's one like, play. You know, it is one play, but, like, how many other plays? And that's the thing you do as a coach, too, is, like, you get up in front of the team and be like, boys, if we had made these other five plays yep. that had nothing to do with the refs, then yep. it's not in the refs' hands. And so – did we get jobbed? Yep. But we could have put ourselves in a position not to get jobbed. Yep. We could have not allowed CeeDee Lamb 227 receiving yards. What a player that guy has turned out to be. Prescott, 345, two touchdowns in the game as well. Um, but, yeah, Cowboys uh, now 8-0 at home, and that's how they will finish. They will, their ninth road game, 17th game overall. Of course, here this weekend against Washington, Lions finish up with the Vikings. Uh also, that cost that cost me a win. Which it I'm did not cost you a win. But do you think they should kick the field goal at the end after you know the the two point conversion got negated? You know that's another good question. I once you're back at the six, yeah, you probably like just kicked three the extra times. Point play for overtime. Like you had. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's another thing too. Is like who knows at that point? Do you just play for overtime? I I think you probably do. Um, but I respect Dan Campbell as this is who he is, and yep. they're on the road and. You know, the players have no doubt that that's what they're doing. And so it is what it is. Um, yeah, I probably would have kicked, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Lions, Lions uh, 11 and 5, Cowboys 11 and 5 going into week 17. Uh, 49ers, of course, beat the Commanders. They clinched the one seed in the NFC. Uh, so all roads through San Francisco as long as they win. Bills 27, Patriots 21. A nice plucky outing from the Patriots who put up 21 points, finished, you know, six points shy of winning. But I think they look definitively better right now than the Jets, Anthony. And, you know, hold, holding on to your breath for tiebreakers is one thing. If the Patriots just beat the Jets and the Commanders lose to the Cowboys, that number two pick is Washington's. There's no tiebreaker needed. Yeah, I mean, the defense... <laughs> Defense somehow is making uh, plays out there, but also there's been a resurgence of Zeke Elliott a little bit. Um, I like what I've seen out of him uh, the last couple of weeks, so hopefully he can go to a contender next year. Uh, but yeah, the the Patriots like Bill Belichick, he's not going out. You know, he's not, he's not going out there to lose games. He's trying to win, and they've been in position to win like the last four, five, six weeks. To be honest, yeah, I, I mean their defense is good. Um, you know, Belichick. I don't think that he's going to wind up. I mean, he could be a head coach next year. Um, I don't think he would take a DC job at this point, but yeah. maybe. I mean, that dude loves football. Like, what if a young, like a Ben Johnson is like, "Hey, Bill, you want to come be my DC, an assistant head coach?" Do you think Belichick would do it if he didn't have a head coaching job on the table, or he'd be like, "I'm good." I don't think I could do see it. him doing it. No. He's the Wade Phillips to, to Sean McVay. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I, I think, I think he, he's he more likes likely power. to take like yeah. I think he's more likely to take like an executive job. Yeah, he likes power. Um, where he's like a an advisor. 
but I don't know if I'm a head coach. I don't know if I want, like part of me would love Bill Belichick as an advisor. Part of me would hate it. Uh, so that is next week though. Patriots bills, uh, or sorry, Patriots jets. Uh, the bills obviously have the dolphins. That is the Sunday night football game, game two fifty or it used to be game two fifty six. I don't know what 17, uh, weeks winds up being. It's the last game of the regular season, um, on Sunday night football on NBC for the AFC East crown. Falcons and Bears. The Bears continue to roll here in the back half of the season. They're five and three at Soldier Field this year. Um, the Falcons, meanwhile, are a mess at quarterback. I mean, just they keep going. Uh, th- this is one thing that I hate that Arthur Smith is doing. It's like, you know, play Ritter. He stinks. Play Heineke. He stinks. Play pick once. Once you benched your guy, you just ride it out with Taylor. Just ride it out with Heineke. Yeah, I don't know why you bench him in this football game because what happens? Ritter comes back in and throws another pick. Um, so we'll see what Atlanta does in the final week of the regular season. They're somehow still alive for the NFC South. Uh, Bears, meanwhile, uh, put up 37. Fields, 268 and a touchdown through the air. DJ Moore, 159 and a touchdown. Um, and Matt Eberflus is gonna, gonna keep his job. And by the way, there were chants in Chicago. We want Fields. We want Fields. A lot of Bears fans are perfectly okay with sticking with Justin Fields. And I got to say, it's tempting. If you have put in this much work with him so far, and you've started to see these results at the tail end of the season, go get him Marvin Harrison. Go get him Olufashanu. Go get him whoever. Get, get him some more help. Defense is playing its face off. You're going to add to that side of the ball as well. The Bears... You know, they have to ask, like, are we good enough or do we reset the clock again and take Caleb Williams knowing that Fields is going to be due a contract here in a couple of years? That's exactly what I was thinking. You're going to have to pay this man next year. Like, there's so many pros and cons of – I mean, well, so many pros to having a young quarterback on his rookie deal and having to pay Justin Fields, you know, in a year or two. But you you can pay guys now. You can or, pay, or that. that's the thing is you, they have so much space. Yep, they do so much space that they can pay guys and keep some space for fields and use a first round pick on either the best receiver to come out in a decade or a really, really good left tackle. Cause that's probably what they would do is either for Shanu or, uh, Harrison, if they stay at one yeah. or they could trade back and get more picks. I mean, they did it last year. They're not afraid to trade yep. out the number one pick and, you know, if you can wind up with multiple, you know, how many top 50 picks do you want? Like that, you want to build a roster where you can afford to pay Justin Fields? Get, get a bunch of top 50 picks and you got a bunch, every, you don't have to pay anyone else. It's not a bad plan. Um, I'd also consider trading him to Atlanta and taking Caleb Williams number Ooh. one. Because um, I think Fields in Atlanta is a match made in would, heaven. Would you, if you're the commanders, would you trade for Justin Fields? No. Okay. I'm not interested in him unless I have a very specific kind of offensive coordinator and, and like the right pieces around. And I think from the money standpoint, it's not worth trading for him when you got to pay him that soon. I, I think their timeline is more rookie than it is. Yep. Where like Atlanta's got London and Bijan and Pitts and yeah. a, a head coach that like wants to run with the quarterback and their defense is actually pretty solid and getting better uh, with some of the additions they've made. So mm-hmm. it's just a lot, uh, a lot to consider. 
All right. Uh, Raiders, Colts, Minshew and company pull this one out despite two touchdowns from Aiden O'Connell to Devontae Adams. Colts still in the playoff race. How are you feeling about your boys uh, coming out of this one? Hey, Craig, I was so happy these guys pulled it off because next week, week 18, I will be in Indy. I will be heading there Friday. We have to get fitted for Zaire's wedding. Mm. But – you know, going to the game is also an added, you know, perk. So uh, we will be there Saturday night, prime time, against a divisional rival. I'm going with the Colts again next week. I'm giving you my early pick, but I was so happy these guys got the job done. Man, and I would love th- to go to that game. That sounds fun. It's going to be crazy. Lucas Oil, Saturday night. Good gracious. How much are the flights Cindy right now? Uh, I got mine for 123 and I got mine like Round two- trip? No, no, no. Okay. I got around. Yeah, I don't know. I, I usually get mine like uh, one way at a time because sometimes the little flight rates can be a little tricky. I don't like flying to Indy, though. I, I don't like it. Why? Uh, the, the flights, they're just not like friendly, to be honest. No. Not friendly at all. I typically uh, like that's a flight where if you have any status on your airline of choice, for me, it's American. Yeah. Um, you typically get upgraded. So I, I've typically enjoyed my flight, Sandy. There, I typically wind up in first class and I don't, <laughs> I don't, like it's not a long flight. Yeah. So it's not that bad. Did I ever tell you? Uh, I think it was on a trip to Indy. It was on either to Indy or Mobile for the Senior Bowl, but there was a Washington team executive who I hated. Uh, who actually, I'll even say who it was. It was Larry Michael. Uh, when we were going to, I think it was actually the senior bowl one year and he was on my flight and I had gotten upgraded to first class and him walking past me in first class back to coach made my year. Oh um, my gosh. why? Cause I'm petty, uh, <laughs> Rams and giants Rams, uh, whew, hold on 26, 25 Kyron Williams, 87 yards, three touchdowns, Nakua, another 118. Tyrod. That dude can play. 319, one touchdown. The problem is he can play like Sam Howell can kind of play where he can put up some numbers, but probably not going to win you a ton of football games. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for the Rams, to be honest. They're continuing to surge. Uh, the Giants, they're showing some promise, I guess. Uh, but not yeah, really. They, I mean, they look better than they have you know, earlier in the season where they look like a, a discombobulated mess. Yeah. Um, but they got to figure out quarterback. I mean, that's the thing for them. Like, do you just roll with Daniel Jones next year? Or do you like you pay him all that money? Why? <laughs> I mean, I think you have to granted. He got hurt this season. They, they, they've looked so much better with Tyrod Taylor than they ever did with Daniel Jones. This Tyrod year. also basically gave the game away a little bit. He missed Saquon for a two point converge. I'm talking about one he of these, Craig. He did. <laughs> He did, um, but Tyrod. He also I had a, like, Saquon also dropped a couple earlier in the game. He so did. He did all kinds of a Texas nonsense there. That could have gone six. Yeah, um, but I don't know what you do if you're the Giants. I think it depends on who's available to you. You know, do you like one of these guys at five? Um, you know, but Jones is Jones is going to be there. But I think I think one of the lessons that's been learned in the league, for like what happened in San Francisco, is like just because you make a pick or you pay someone. You gotta play the best guy, and like they paid, uh, or sorry, they uh, picked Trey Lance, and they weren't like, oh, we gotta go back to Trey Lance. Like Brock Purdy's clearly the better player. Yep. We're just gonna go with Purdy, um, so or better player for us. So we're gonna go with Purdy. So you have you ha- you can't be tied to mistakes. If it was a mistake to pay DJ, 
fine. He'll probably be a good teammate. Um, it seems like the kind of guy that he is. So just let him be a good teammate backup and use a, a first rounder on someone else. Um, so that's probably what I would do with them. I was the giants, but you know, same kind of thing. If you're the commanders, like, do you necessarily have to do it first round? Like, do you, do you do it in the second round? Uh, we got a long way to go till draft time, but they, they're, they're in a rough spot. Yeah. Uh, Cardinals, they're in a weird spot, by the way, uh, with this win, they are now four and 12. Uh, so that's how the commanders have leapfrogged them. They probably severely cost themselves. Well, maybe not because the Patriots certainly have a better chance to win than any of these other teams in week 18. Uh, so the Cardinals could wind up bouncing back to three, but their strength of schedule stronger than the commanders, thus the weaker schedule versus the weaker record. They wind up tied. The commanders will have the number two pick. Uh, Cardinals now four and 12 after Kyler Murray throws for three touchdowns and the Eagles defense continues to be a huge, huge problem, Anthony. Like one that I'm legitimately scared about. Like I, I think we need to move them potentially in our tiers on Thursday because their defense is so bad. It is really bad. Eli Ricks, he had another rough outing. Uh, secondary is just, I, I, I don't, I don't get it to be honest. You, you go from a top being a top three defense last year to, you know, a bottom three this year. Maybe it was a defensive coordinator, you know, Gannon. He came back to Philly. Clearly, Gannon's really good at this. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, very shocking. But I think that, as you said, the Cardinals are in a tough position with Kyler Murray because do you keep him? Do you move on from him? What do you do with him, to be honest? Um, I would probably, with the amount that I've paid him, like his contract's a different stratosphere than Dean Daniel Jones. Yeah. If all of a sudden I'm sitting at three and Marvin Harrison is available, I just get Kyler Marvin Harrison and we boogie. Like we drafted our tackle last year. Yep. Um, you know, I just get my I just get him a stud wide receiver and say, Hey man, if you can figure it out, we're in great shape. And if not, we'll know next year that we need to replace you. Yeah, I feel like defensively Gannon also just gotta make a few tweaks, you know, to some personnel, but he's a great defensive mind. He, you know, did yeah. his best against, you know, a highly potent Philly offense, so a uh, huge one for the Cardinals, though. Yeah, maybe they trade back somewhere in the top 10. Team comes up to take Drake May or whoever, um, you know, and you, you wind up with, like, Dallas Turner, the kid out of Alabama, uh, who had a great quote post game last night after they <laughs> lost to Michigan. Hey, man, are you going pro? Oh, yeah, I'm going pro. I'm out of here, Ain't man. Ain't no if, ands, or buts about it. Nope. Uh, Dallas Turner going pro. All right, Saints 23, Bucks 13. Wow. Did Tampa know they could win the division? Uh, didn't play like it. Didn't score until the fourth quarter. Tried to mount a mini comeback, but ultimately uh, fell short despite 309 yards from Baker Mayfield. Jags 26, Panthers zippy. And the story from this game, we might have to talk about this tomorrow. We might have to do like some leftovers tomorrow. David Tepper throwing a drink on a Jags fan. This dude sucks, man. Low character guy, Craig. Low character guy. Certainly seems like it. Uh, I wish I had more to say on this game, because, but I didn't get a chance to watch it. It was the most important game of the weekend. Ravens, 56. Dolphins, 19. Lamar, 321. Five. Count them. One, two, three, four. He's still scoring. Five. He, one, two, three, four. Fifth. Touchdown. I mean, ridiculous what they just did. The Dolphins are good. So are the other the the 49ers. So are the you know the other teams that the Ravens have just boat raced. It's crazy. It's I don't I really can't explain it to be honest. I think they've just gone out here to show everybody in the NFL that they're real, Craig. They're going to the Super Bowl 
And it's going to be crazy if Jim Harbaugh and John Harbaugh both win their respective national or, I guess, Super Bowl championships. That would be crazy. Um, and then Harbaugh is certainly going to be a candidate if here if he wants to go to the NFL. Yep. Imagine two Harbaugh's in the DMV. I know Baltimore's kind of extended DMV, but the the uh, the BW Parkway corridor. Mm-hmm. Um, although getting to Owings Mills, having to do that for joint practice. So, so it's a little bit past the BW Parkway. Anyway, uh, Texans 26, Titans 3, CJ Stroud, a nice return through for a tidy 213. And a score. Steelers behind Mason Rudolph. Uh, wow. Putting up some offense. Yeah. Najee Harris running hard. Uh, Steelers 30. Seahawks 23. Steelers staying alive for the playoffs. Seahawks actually are still alive because everyone in the NFC is still alive except for the commanders. Uh, Chargers, Broncos. Broncos 8-8 uh, and eight eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, but they get the win behind Jared Stidham after a tumultuous week there in Denver. Chiefs uh, able to pull it out in the second half over the Bengals, 25-17. to Patty Mahomes, 245, and a touchdown. And the Packers boat race the Vikings, 33-10. Poor Kevin O'Connell is just playing quarterback roulette in Minnesota. Like, he's just he's trying to find something. And, uh, you know, Nick Mullins uh, probably would have been the better uh option but and he goes to him in the second half but uh i give him credit for being like hey jaron hall's the young guy we're probably not even though technically we're still alive for the playoffs and they still are actually after this loss um it's probably more important for us to get a look at this rookie and he does and you know obviously mullins gave him plenty of ammo because of the four picks the week before um but just real rough and you know the guy who was shirtless pregame leading the skull chant i think is going to be very welcome back in minnesota next year if they can figure out the contract uh, of course that being Kirk Cousins. If you haven't seen that video, worth your time. Pretty hilarious. That is our trip around the NFL. Anthony, how did we do on the picks? Were you tracking along the way there? Yes, I was. Uh, you went nine and nine and six. Okay, that's not bad. And I went thirteen and three. Ooh, yeah, big week for the boy. Big that's week. There was the a like what ten game or so gap. So eleven. So you would need to get seven over me, which would mean you'd have to pick seven games differently than me. Yeah, pretty much. Probably but I told not you. Happen. I mean, to be honest, who, which games? Do we, the Eagles, hey. they should have lost. The Steelers being the Seahawks, very upsetting. But it's really more about the ones. I mean, it's, it's a game closer if the refs don't screw up Dallas and uh, Detroit. But, hey, nice job. Nice job out of you. See what happens in week 17. How close can Anthony get that gap? Uh, maybe maybe he builds some confidence in the next year, and maybe he'll actually beat me next year. Yeah, Don't we'll count on it. Uh, it's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We pick games, and we pick six players who we think will have a big impact in the Commanders game. That's how we do it on Fridays, and we review how that all that goes on Mondays. Our pick six, our penultimate one of the season, is next on the Team 980.